0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a stranger's stranger dream rather primitive. It's a dream that began to make me awful. The, the passing note of the song. For the glimmer, the glimpse of the ship being seen. sighs, sighs, and thinks. First party. Party on the shores. Party on the shores. We should throw a party. <laughs> Do y'all want to come to a party? <laughs> Are we on? We are on. Oh, uh, we're on. Cheers. Cheers. To the shores. To the shores. Hmm. All right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Shores of Ignorance Party. <laughs> totally. <laughs> ATX. Uh-huh. Springdale General. Oh, man. Hell yeah. That could be fun. That could be fun. We'll I'll make f- some merch. Uh-huh. <laughs> Free hats. <laughs> Free hats.
1: <laughs> That'd, be fun. That'd actually be a good test if anybody's listening to us. It's like, oh, you only tell the people that, that uh, <laughs> listen to the podcast. Yeah. But then uh, clout, people in clout, wherever that is. Clout, uh, oh. <laughs> clout America, I don't know what's, what yeah, state that's in. Apparently but. there's
0: 250 of you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> <sighs> so, it's been a busy week. It has been. Yeah, you got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. You got a lot going on. Uh-huh. There's a lot going on in the world. Yeah. This morning was interesting. Mm-hmm. Should we just start with a brief comment on that because it... It was worth, I think it's worth commenting on But yeah. there was this, I, and I don't know enough about it to really be intelligent, but I could, I'm, I'm in tune enough to know that the feel was different. Mm-hmm. So last night there was this election all over the country mm-hmm. for mostly governors. Do you know? Uh, yeah. I think every, I think our governor's not till like next year, I think, or something. like mm-hmm. that. Well, so the big news was mm-hmm. this, this governor race in Virginia in which what a Republican defeated the incumbent. Democrat for mm-hmm. the, for the seat. You call yeah. it a seat chair, chair mansion, <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> <It's> titled <laughs> for the title of governor. Yeah. Well, and apparently, uh, Republicans kind of swept all over the place mm-hmm. and the reaction to that this morning, all over Twitter, at least, which is kind of where I get all of my <laughs> like, uh, political news mostly was like, um, people were like relieved Mm -hmm. in a very strange way that I didn't expect. Yeah. And I'll just put it out there. Like I don't, I'm not a Republican or Democrat. I generally consider myself independent or center or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think most of the people I follow on Twitter are are all over the spectrum. I try to follow all over the spectrum just to kind of get a, a read on what's going on. And I was surprised to see this almost like unanimous, uh, Excitement about that mm-hmm. it felt to me like people were relieved that we weren't continuing in the direction that we were going, mm. which also surprised me because I feel like it's like um, did he just say that you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I feel like there's been this current underneath um, <coughs> underneath people, and you're seeing it, I think, in the polls that people are not happy with the way things are hap- are going in this country right mm-hmm. now. Um, and it just felt like I don't know if it was I don't know it didn't feel to me like excitement that Republicans won. It was mm-hmm. more it was bigger than that. It was more like okay, we voted to not continue going over the cliff we were headed toward, whatever that was. Yeah, and there was a lot of relief in that. Like oh, maybe we're not falling apart as a civilization. Yeah, so that was exciting. It was. It was again. I think I
1: think this year and and then next year's kind of political cycle. I think will kind of tell us a lot about where everybody's at, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, cause I think again, Virginia, I, d- I don't know enough about this from both from what I understand. It's, it's usually a democratic <laughs> state, yes, a blue yeah, state, very blue state, very blue state. And for that to kind of, um, have so much, have so many more, uh, kind of Republicans win was kind of a big, kind of a big deal. And, uh, which makes me kind of curious about what's going to happen with Texas, which <clears throat> we've kind of been trending pretty much 50, 50, mm-hmm. The last couple of election cycles, so yeah. um, that'll be interesting to see this next, I guess this next year, but then also um, coming to the new, next presidential election or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe it's more um, maybe this is a clear way to put what I felt in the responses from people was like, oh, the silent majority said something different than what mainstream mm-hmm. media and even like sort of the blue checks on Twitter and all of that. Yeah. Something different than what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, thank God. There's people with other ideas, other opinions. It didn't, and again, it didn't feel like a vote for Republicans as much as it felt like we don't want to continue that whatever it is, whatever this current is pulling us towards, we, we want to say no.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does seem that way. Um. As you were saying that, something came in my mind, and I forgot. <clears throat> but I think that, that's what it was. Is I think it's something you and I have been kind of picking up on lately, probably over the last couple of years. You know, with the coronavirus, and as we've kind of waded our way through things with masks and vaccines, and you know, and just a you know, critical race theory, um, a lot of the mainstream media narrative, and you're starting to see a lot more pushback to like, wait a minute, are you sure? Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Give me more information. And, you know, I just saw something with, uh, you know, Don Lemon was in, uh, was in Florida on vacation, you know, but he like talks so much shit about <laughs> Florida and how it's a shithole and yeah. all this kind of thing. Why did he vacation? Why there? did you go vacation there? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, but I, you know, again, he can vacation wherever he wants. It doesn't really matter. But, but I feel like that's kind of like a, an anecdote or to kind of what we kind of, it's hard to see mainstream media's uh narrative unravel is that they're saying a lot of things that are that are just contradictory or hype uh um hypothetical uh <laughs> hyper- hyperbole hy- no uh, whatever you uh, say something to do the opposite uh you're a hypocrite. There you go. No, hypocritical. hypocritical. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I've been really having a hard time with the You knew words the definition lately. though. Yeah. <laughs> you just the other way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you know what the hypocritical note that says also follow this one person on Twitter that says uh like whenever people say one thing and then say the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are, are saying, you know, like that we're saying like fuck Trump
0: and all this kind of stuff. And, right. and now they're like totally aghast that this airline plan would say, let's go Brandon. Right. Cause they're saying it was, it's in an, it's a euphemism for something vulgar mm-hmm. and how dare people talk that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so I think, I think we're all just kind of really tired of like, don't, don't blow smoke up my skirt, you know, or
0: down my pants or whatever it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, we've talked about how there's this layered characterization going on, mm. how, <clears throat> you know, using Trump for an example, like Trump was already a caricature of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, there's sort of the man, then there's like the reality TV star. And then there's the man playing the reality TV star. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Trump that sort of is pretending to be all of that at once. And then there's the caricature that the media puts on him and the Mm -hmm. caricature that, you know, everybody else puts on him. And it's almost like there's so many things in our life. That's just one example. But everything's a caricature of a caricature of a caricature. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost impossible for anyone who's um, maybe in the social commentariat, like, to not not stumble into hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Because how do you manage all of that? Yeah. But it does feel like the the, the sort of hegemony uh, point of view was pushing towards the extreme outskirts of a characterization of the world. Mm-hmm. And this vote felt like a, some the it felt like people saying, you know, n- pull it back in. Mm-hmm. We're not willing to go that far. Yeah. We're not willing to say that uh, parents are domestic terrorists if they have concerns about what's being taught in the schools. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not down for that. Yeah. You know, or you're
1: even hiding what you're teaching in the schools. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, don't tell them that, you know, it's like, we're, you know, Oh, we're not doing that. Like I, I keep seeing people say like, Oh, that's not happening. And it's right. like, what are you, where, where are you getting this from? And are trying to redefine words or definitions or, um, yeah, I think we've, we've seen a lot of that this year. It just actual definitions being, redefined into whatever, whatever suits their, their narrative the best. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's disorienting. And, and, uh, I think, I, I, I feel like there's kind of like a shift back to, okay, let's, we need to be more accountable for what we're saying, you know? And, and for those who are not going to be accountable for what they're saying, they're going to lose, uh, whatever, whatever, sh- you know, market share or whatever it might be, or social, um, uh, social clout, you know, it's right. like, you know, you see this already with the news media and how many, how many people are like leaving, you know, mainstream media and news, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. or even people are going to Fox, you know, which is crazy <clears> to think <throat> like right. Fox is winning in all these like categories. And everyone wants to say like, Oh,
0: it's because America's becoming more racist. So they're going to Fox, you know, it's like that. Well, that's like the sixth removed characterization, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like how can we, how can we explain the fact that our um, like righteous elite on the right side of history position is Mm -hmm. losing people to the opposite side, which we've already construed as the wrong side. Yeah. You know, the only way that you can explain it in a way that you don't have to give up on your own position is by doubling down on the accusation Mm -hmm. that the other side is morally compromised. Mm -hmm. So you say, well, they're racist. Yeah. And, I think people are starting to finally see that claims like that are so far removed from reality that it's like, okay, that's obviously not true. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you're doing here? Yeah. Or when Biden makes a claim that one of the, what is it? One of the b- biggest
1: things we face right now in the country is white supremacy. The greatest <coughs> threat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, where do you get that? Like I, I see education. I see our economy. I see what's going on with our money. It's like, you know, printing spending.
0: (laughs) It's like, well, not only that, it's like, did you see that last weekend, the Lincoln project hired some mm. young Democrats to dress up as Charlottesville white supremacists with tiki torches and stand outside Glenn Youngkin's or Greg, is it Greg Youngkin? I don't know. I know it's Youngkin's or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) Youngkin, his bus, like to try to, convince people that he's a racist because these white supremacists support him. But the whole thing was a farce. Yeah. And it's like if white supremacy and they admitted it, yeah, is crazy is the greatest threat to the United States of America. It's like, you don't have to pay people to pretend to be them in order to get people afraid of it. Like, yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. Well, that's the farce. I mean, that's the, but then it's, then, it, you know, then, then they start using words like it's not overt, it's covert. And it's like, Oh my gosh. It's like, You're just you're just wanting people to go crazy. You know, it's like join your cult or something like that. You know, it's like you can't see it. It's in your blood. (laughs) It's a little mic well, I think like what is it? Uh there's something in Church of Scientology about, you know, things in your blood and stuff like that. Oh, (laughs) is (laughs) there really? Forget (laughs) Yeah. It's the
0: nanobots in the in the James Bond movie. Yeah, totally. Oh dude, that was great. That was really good. Uh-huh. I was so happy. I was too. I was worried that they were going to go woke mm-hmm. and they didn't. It was just like pure classic James Bond. Yeah, yeah, totally. They sent Daniel Craig off with the best, the best, um, mm-hmm. in the best of ways. I think so too. Yeah. No spoilers. Uh-oh. No. Oh yeah. Sorry guys. we <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> oh. But his, uh, his time as, as James Bond, as they move into the next, you know, whoever the next James Bond is, mm-hmm. um, well, well wrapped up. Yeah. But he's probably my favorite bond. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He's really good. There's mm-hmm. a documentary out. Um, it's like for free on, on Apple. Uh, it's like a 45 minute look at how they chose him to be James Bond. Mm. It's like interviews with him and the main, I think it's, her name's Helen something, the main producer of all of these films. Yeah. And then Ian Fleming too, who oh, was wow. the original writer. Um, it's really fascinating because when they found him, uh, he did not look like he looks now. He was kind of this scrawny role play B list actor. Uh-huh. And sh- they were just convinced that he was right for the job. And apparently, once the press got a hold of who they had chosen, all these pictures of him came out mm-hmm. and everybody said he was the worst pick on the planet. <laughs> and they were talking about how demoralizing it was and how hard that was to have such negative press. And they hadn't even shot a film yet. You yeah. Know? And then he like starts training super hard gets jacked and then the first clip of of the first movie comes out and everybody was just like completely changed my mind like oh my god this guy is james bond
1: yeah because casino royale was his first one yeah was that where he came out when the Speedo came it? of the water? Mm-hmm. Came out of the water. Okay, out out of the yeah. water. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was one of the first like <clears throat> images that they released. And that's uh-huh. when people were like, okay, I get it. they like, Oh yeah, I like this one. <laughs> but such an amazing story of how, um, like somebody, this producer and Ian Fleming saw something in him that no one else saw. Hmm. And he believed them. Apparently he didn't want to do it either. He didn't see it. Oh, interesting. And they finally convinced him and he agreed. And then he like, he talks about how, um, once he decided to do it, he went and started training with this trainer that they had. And he was like, I rolled up the first day, like eating a sausage and had like a rollie sticking out of my mouth. <laughs> and he just said, I looked at the trainer and I was like, I want to change. Hmm. And the trainer said, okay. And they just started working really hard. And Damn. I just think <clears throat> like, it kind of teared me up this, this this idea that somebody can see something in you that you can't see and can mm. call that out. And if you believe in it and commit to it, it's like you can be James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know,
1: Oh, there's such a, that's such an amazing thing. Like somebody seeing something in you and believing, in it, but you have to believe it yourself too. It's like, it's right. like you can't, no one can do it for you. They can't just give it to you. Uh uh-uh. Yeah. I mean, it's like with most things in life, it's like, you know, You, you have to do, you have to, you have to make the effort. You have to do something, you know, but, but uh, having people around you that believe in you, you know, that is pretty huge to kind of remind you, you know, it's like, yeah, no, you're James Bond. Right. I don't feel like James Bond.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't look like him. I don't act like him. Uh I don't have my gun. I don't have my car. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's even bigger than that. It's not that they believed that he could be James Bond. They believed that he could be the best James Bond. And mm-hmm. how do you even accept a belief like that? Yeah. When somebody says, you know, that category full of like the, the man's man, hero of hero, mm-hmm. woman's man, like yeah. the category that every man sort of would want to be in. Mm-hmm. We think you can be the top of that category, the top <laughs> of the top category, you know, uh-huh. how do you accept that? But yeah. I think the lesson is, and what's so deeply moving is that if you do somehow accept that mm-hmm. and commit yourself to it, you can. Yeah. Dude, that's, uh, that's kind of inspiring. Thank you. It's super inspiring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and it makes me think I've been thinking a lot and we've been talking about, um, well, the idea of symbols and where the meaning comes from mm-hmm. in them. And I've been rethinking like a lot of the sort of, um, would you call them cliches or tropes of of religion and Christianity specifically? But, you know, it's common in Christianity, what is the verse, (coughs) ask and you shall receive. Mm. And it sounds so trite, almost. Um, But it feels to me like a lot of these things are embedded, can only be transmitted over such long periods of time if they're condensed down into something that almost you can't understand because it seems so, um, like what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, can I have a coffee? You give me the coffee. How's that meaningful or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think what's, what that's actually transmitting is something more like this that we're talking about. If you know, the producer asks, I want you to do this, but asks not only seriously and forthrightly, but in a way that genuinely believes. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. And, And believes in such a way that enables belief in the other person. And then you shall receive. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for Daniel Craig to say, to accept and say, okay, I'm going to do this, even though I don't see it and I don't believe in myself. And then everyone around me doesn't believe and all of the media is against it. But I'm going to forthrightly show up at the trainer and say, I'm asking to be this. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. Yeah. It's like, well, get that cigarette out of your mouth and stop eating what you're eating. And it's going to take <laughs> eight hours a day for six months. Uh-huh. You know, are you willing to do that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's cool. There's a, maybe riff for a second. I, there's a word I want to share. Okay.
1: <clears throat> like <laughs> riff for riff. a
0: second. <laughs> That's always
1: so pressure. I had so much of my. <laughs> <nowadays>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet. I think there's something with that too. Is like, uh, you know, it ma- makes me think of like Emma Gilchrist, some of the things we've talked about over the last year and a half or two or whatever is like what you give attention to, um, is, is hugely important because when you give attention to something, it's like all these other possibilities and avenues open up that if you didn't, if you didn't look, if you didn't even like see it, it's like, I think even with your job, like if they weren't going to fire you, then you wouldn't have like looked for other jobs. And so there's something about like hmm. when you give your attention to something else, it's like a whole nother realm of possibility opens up. Um, which is it just fascinating to me because it just it makes me think about how many things I missed because my attention is either in the wrong place or I just don't even know what's, what is possible. You know, there's also a part two is like where you do have to narrow your attention and and focus um, and not go after shiny things all the time, you know? <laughs> right. But I think there is something about, you know, again, the whole thing about asking you will receive. Yeah. Um, just in the asking, in the wanting of something, it's it's the same idea of bringing your attention to something. I mean, even in Christianity, there's like, a, um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of like, if you seek something that is beyond yourself that is incomprehensible, you know, that has, has a certain characteristic. It's like a whole nother world is going to open up to you, but Mm -hmm. it's not, you're not going to be able to find it by going after this whole other world. It's like, you have to first bring your attention to something that is greater than you or acknowledge. I mean, even in AA, you know, it's like acknowledging a higher power, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that means to you, you know, but there's something, I think there's something really powerful in that sort of, um, attention, um, gazing that you do whenever whenever that happens. Do you find it?
0: Yeah, I did. <clears throat> so there's this really excellent interview with Peter Boghossian and on uh, Barry Weiss's podcast, Honestly, mm. and he uses this word. So I guess he's a philosopher. It's like a philosophy professor. professor yeah, yeah. Well, and, it was at Portland, but yeah, he left. Yeah, right. Um, uses the word parhesia. Mm -hmm. You heard that? Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard that word before. And his definition of it was speaking truth in the face of danger and being forthright in your speech. parhesia it's the essential component to a life worth living. Mm -hmm. And that hit me so hard. I didn't think it's really what you were just describing. Like, pay attention. Mm -hmm. See what is worth paying attention to. And then engage it forthrightly, even in the face of danger mm-hmm. and speak truth to it. Yeah. And it's like, what does that mean? Ask and you shall receive, uh, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these will be given to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, I don't know if parhesia is a noun, is it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, if you parhesia <laughs> then whatever it is that you give your attention to, that you speak to in truth and, and speak to forthrightly, even in the face of danger, will be transformed into something that is good mm. in the deepest sense of the word. Good meaning almost like as a stand-in for your wildest dreams mm-hmm. or you know, perhaps in the sort of uh, more dead language. The kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're to ask yourself, what? Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? You know, you sort of have some like, um, very eighth grade Baptist church version of like, <laughs> you know, it's Keep heaven on earth now, and you know, <laughs> golden streets and uh-huh. lion and the lamb and all of that. But <clears throat> I think embedded all in all of that is <clears throat> something that's actually. Very, very real mm-hmm. and that the the result of parhesia is is in this deepest sense good, and in the deepest sense that it's good, it means that the statement asking you shall receive is deeply true <clears throat> well there's also an equal a kind of opposite
1: part of this too is is I think that's why it's so important that it's Im- embedded in many religions and specifically Christianity, but that you know focus on something that's bigger and greater because if, because there's like a lot of responsibility that what you give your attention to will consume you. And, and it's not something that you can uh, you can run away from, you know, it's like if, if you, if you have something that's not quite right, you know, that's, that's that kind of um, it, it will, it will take you to its logical conclusion And so it's like that's why it's so important to Hmm. focus on something that is bigger and greater, because if you don't, then it'll it'll take you to its logical conclusion. And and kind of what I mean with that is like, you know, if you take the sort of uh, um, anti-racist kind of viewpoint and stuff like that, that racism is happening around us all the time in in all places um, and you can't escape it. It's like to live in that world and to follow that to the, this logical conclusion,
0: this kind of takes you to a dark place because. Well, you will, <clears throat> it's almost like you will manifest that reality. Uh-huh. I mean, th- maybe this is the whole point that we're making is that whatever it is that you pay, give your attention to and pay attention is what will manifest into mm-hmm. all, of, all of reality. Yeah. I remember thinking that when the narrative sort of post George Floyd so quickly spun up. Into this sort of black people are being hunted in the streets, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, is that true? How would we know if that was true? Mm-hmm. And I realized immediately that no one was actually looking to see if that was true. I mean, very few people were, yeah. and the people who were were like, actually, that's not true, and then mm-hmm. they were immediately dismissed and sidelined and <clears throat> you know, deplatformed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is really dangerous because if we're not going to see if that's true, what regardless of it it is or isn't, then we can never change it Mm -hmm. because there's nothing to change. There's nothing to measure change against. So change will never happen. So we will live perpetually in a world where we are behaving as if this is true, Mm -hmm. which means it will become true. Mm -hmm. So this is dangerous. Yeah. But that's the same thing as. It's like what what you pick, give your attention attention to will grow, mm-hmm. and perhaps it's the same as as well. I was thinking earlier, as you were talking, that you know the things maybe that you don't give your attention to as well mm. will start to go to their logical conclusion. Yeah, like if you have some small problem mm-hmm. in your house, let's say a leaky faucet or whatever, and yeah. you don't give your attention to it; you just sort of ignore it. It's going to get worse and worse. Mm it's going to start rotting out the boards under the sink and you're not going to notice till it smells. And it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. So it's like based upon your attention or lack thereof, things do reach oh, fascinating. their logical conclusions. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I want to swap the word logical with eventual eventual is probably better. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Which is interesting. I mean, cause that's the thing is like, you know, does racism exist? Yes. But to have it but not having a an accurate view of, of what that is or trying to classify things that are not as if they are. Right. It's it starts to spin out of control. So then you can't even address actual racism because everything's racist. Well yeah, you don't even know what it
0: is anymore. You don't know what it is anymore. It's, and you can't address everything. Mm-mm. And so I think uh-uh. that's the part that Well, and maybe that's the, the sort of eventual conclusion that mm we were coming to and which may be part of the relief that I sensed this morning is maybe there's, you know, a bit of a stop to it, mm-hmm. but the eventual conclusion to redefining racism as sort of everything mm-hmm. is that that means that well you can't fix it cause it's everything and you can't deal with everything. And so the sort of mind bending responses that have been kind of thrown around lately, which is like, that talk morphed into this systemic racism talk, mm-hmm. which morphed into you know these these memes of fucking tear it down already. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you talking about it? It's like everything, the whole thing's gotta go you yeah. know and you're like the whole thing meaning everything enabling us to survive into next week. You want that to go <laughs> uh-huh. you know, but that is the eventual conclusion mm-hmm if racism and ever is everything and everything and racism is bad, then everything must go. Yeah. That, that's obviously a dangerous, uh, road to go down. Yeah. And it's also about who defines that too, which is interesting
1: because then you start relying on people to define that for you because you're no longer able to define it because there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, uh, definition by which you can, uh, identify what racism actually is because someone else's oh it can only tell you what it is right it's like it's like oh you can't see it you know based on mm. something your political views or your because not even a skin white color or it's your, not even a white and black thing too because I mean it's like you saw this with oh, you yeah. know black Republicans it's like it's like no you're not you're not the real deal so you can't see it you don't know right you're a was a uh, Tom Oh shoot. Uncle Tom Uncle or, you Tom. know, it's like yeah. all these things were thrown around that were just like, man, that's hateful. Like that's actual racism right there. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, unless somebody agrees with you, then you are othered, you know? <clears throat> right. And that's, that's the scary thing is whenever, so like uh, whenever a, a group of people own language <clears throat> and redefine it in the ways that suit their agendas, you know, and that's, yeah. you can't exist like that. That's just, I don't know, insane. Hmm.
0: But. Yeah. I mean, if the, if language exists for us to share headspace, mm-hmm. then we have to agree on at least generally what the language means, what the words mean. And if exactly. somebody owns it and can move it out from under you, then it can only become uh, a means of predation in, in order to control and power and, and to ex- express power and control other people. Mm-hmm. What's well, the whole thing about the good faith argument? You know, it's like, if you're talking with
1: somebody and you're like, you know, Hey, here's a problem, you know, um, policing and black people, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's talk about that. Like, how do we, how do we get to that? And, and at some point you're going to be like, okay, <clears throat> well, I propose these things based on this, this set of evidence, you know, rather than just like anecdotes being tossed out there like uh, um, like all cops are bastards you know it's like mm-hmm. <clears throat> well that's not helpful like so if all cops are bastards so then nobody can is it that nobody can put a suit on and act like a cop or what a part of being a cop makes all makes cops bastards, bastard. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then we saw that in Seattle where they had their uh, Chad you know it's like well they end up just reinventing cops and Mm -hmm. you know the same thing but they just called it different things you know but it was by definition it was sort of the same thing right so i feel like we've just we've gone through so much of that this last couple years that we just don't really know And, and a lot of stuff we've talked about vaccines too it's like it's just hard to discuss and talk about these things when if you don't agree with the the narrative you're just othered if you're dismissed. Mm-hmm, you're Dismissed, <clears throat> and it's like right. And then and there's a part too, is I think where some people are just like, okay, I'm not going to play that game. Bye. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to play that game. I want to talk to some people who are reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> it's like I kind of feel that way. It's like, oh, okay. I'm going to listen to you because I need to, and I want to understand where you're coming from. But mm-hmm. you're not saying anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> Maybe I'm just mesmerized by it, like really how can you really you you actually think that (laughs) just not convincing (laughs) you look like you're
0: grabbing a thought i I was yeah (laughs) yeah um man i can't pull it together i mean i find it fascinating to talk to anyone about anything so Mm -hmm. long as they are also interested in talking about things. Mm -hmm. I find more and more, I keep running across people, new people that I meet or people that I've known for a long time who are like, if you disagree on these large things, that's a non-starter. We're not talking about anything. Mm -hmm. And that's always really surprising to me because I'm like, really issues that big, like, you know, racism and abortion Mm -hmm. it's like if i don't agree with your exact position then we're not going to talk like these seem like super big interesting uh sorry important things to talk about Mm -hmm. like we should be we should be figuring these out right Mm -hmm. but if you think that you already know it in any dissenting opinion even if my opinion isn't dissenting if i'm just not willing to like agree Fully with your position. Yeah. Like there's 75% agreement or, <laughs> right, or 62 right. or whatever. Yeah. Then you're going to cut me off, cut me out. Mm-hmm. We're not going as a, as a culture civilization. We're not going into, into anything that looks like flourishing. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, that's true.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I don't know what, what that is about. Cause I mean, again, it's, it's, you know, let's say you and I disagree about abortion, you know, it's like, well, there's also so many other things. Like, it's like, yes, you can have disagreements about big things with other people, you know, it's like, but, but there's also other things. It's like, you know, your parents, I mean, I saw this a lot over the last few years too is like your parents aren't just a political ideology, you know, it's like our political leaning or whatever. Um, Or just about vaccines. It's like there's so many more things that make your parents your parents. It's not just an issue, you know? And it's like I I, I, I think we're going to be able to come back to being able to hopefully accept people like, oh, no, we differ on this, you know? And, yeah, I might think you're stupid, but that's not all you are, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) I mean, you can disagree vehemently with other people, and that's, that's, that's a good thing. But can you also look, look past that one issue? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe be <clears throat> it sounds well, so like, the so like a that, teenager,
0: you know it's the, like, <laughs> thought, the thought that I that uh, kind of shut me up a second ago. I was trying to decide if I wanted to bring it into the conversation, but I'll just go ahead and do that. I don't I mean, I, I think we are becoming, or have become recently, um, a culture of people who have a bunch of non-starter issues, hmm. a bunch of issues by which we dismiss full people. Yeah. And my my um, my a- anecdotal evidence for this, <laughs> or my observation of this, is being on dating apps. Oh, that's true. The last time I was on dating apps was probably 2018, <clears throat> 2019, somewhere in there. <laughs> and then I'm on them again now, and I notice that there's far more people who are like, if you think this, 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 or this, move on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to engage you. Yeah. And I think, wow. I mean, I agree with on, you on some of that and I disagree with you on some of that, but the fact that you aren't, that you're, that's like a non starter for you, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And my response is usually like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to talk to somebody like that. Yeah. Bummer. But um, it was, there was almost none of that a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And that worries me. That, yeah, that, of, that I, we're not people. Yeah. We're not a. We're not becoming a people who are more interested mm-hmm. in things. We're becoming a people who are less interested in things. Totally. I'm, I'm sorry. I got maybe. I may be making a uh making
1: something out of this, but but there is certain things that you know. As far as like depending on your relationship with somebody, you do have sort of non starters. You know, it's like, hey, let's be best True. friends. It's like, well, you live in San Antonio. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, it's like right. I, I don't call people very well. So it's like, yeah. you're, you're, it, I, I'm that's not a good gonna, point. I, I can't commit that
0: that time. The dating apps is probably not. It's like if you're trying to find a, a partner that is a mm-hmm. special category that, you know, maybe there are legitimate non starters.
1: Well, I mean, at the same time, I, th- I, I, I also because I think the sentiment is different on in some of those areas I've seen, you know, I get to, I get to go through these with Matt on the other side. Of <laughs> so, it's like, <laughs> so it's a bit, it's, but that the spirit of what they're saying is not really, it's uh, cause I think you're talking about more of the spirit of what those people are saying on those apps mm-hmm. rather than the thing itself. It's right. sort of like, Hey, I'm looking for somebody interested and these are things like, Hey, I'm, I'm not really interested in. Uh, so, you know, if you are not, if you're interested in those things and mm-hmm. you know, this, I'm not for you, but yeah. but it's more, the things that you're talking about, I think, are more people are really making more political statements than they are
0: looking for a mate.
1: Mm.
0: You know, it's it's something. Well, it's this: if you fall in the out group, the mm-hmm. wrong group, yeah. the evil group, move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you see that from both sides of of <clears throat> a, a bunch of different issues. Yeah.
1: Which I, I think that's a, that's the the spirit of it is what's tr- is what's troubling.
0: It's not the not the statements themselves, right? It is. It's the spirit of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, And I don't the, think it's confined to the dating apps. I mean, I think no. that that's a lot of our online discourse. I also mm-hmm. do suspect and hope that it is somehow confined to the online space. I don't see it really ever in the real world.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's also hard for you and I maybe to see some of that because we don't really, it's like we, we hold strong opinions loosely, you know? So it's like, we don't, we're not, we're okay with somebody disagreeing or not liking our opinions, you know? Mm Um, where like, I just see people on the left and the right that do have strong opinions and they're not, they're not willing to like hold them a little bit loosely. They're held tightly. They're held tightly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's, I think it's right now, specifically on the left, you're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. Um, more so, and again, it's just it's just prevalent on the right too. But I think we're just seeing that so much more. I think it's mostly because well, it's this a backlash. Time yeah, because backlash yeah. of Trump Trump just
0: got so blown out of the water that it became ridiculous. Yeah. And well, and I would even say that like when as far as the political parties go, I think in sort of the seventies and eighties the the right was much more strong opinion opinions held tightly. Oh totally, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like the you know the religious right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that was kind of a, a big thing in the right. The fundamental mm-hmm.
1: fundamentalists in the '80s, and the Republican Party doesn't really look like that as much anymore. You know, no. it's like, again, like uh, you know, like you know, gay rights and stuff like that, which was an issue in the '80s for the right. You know, Republicans specifically um, is not really an issue in the Republican Party anymore. Right. You know, I, I think there are there are some, but it's not it's not really something that was, that represents what it was in the eighties or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like the, yeah, I don't want to make that analogy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know with the, with, with, with where we are and how, how we can kind of come back and, you know, we talked about the Virginia race as kind of like a symbol of maybe we are kind of like, but it's it, the, the thing that I see too, I still still I'm seeing is, is the, is the, it's the, it's the media that I think is driving us crazy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and also our, our social elites too. It's, it's, there's just so much unreasonableness, you know, even on, like I showed you that, uh, that tweet of, uh, you know, too close to call. And it was like, that was like anything Yonkin was yeah. like 58% and the other guy was like 42% or something, yeah, something like, like that. <laughs> that. And it was like, what? Like <laughs> if it, if, this, if it was, if it, you, no, ju- you I, just know enough that if it was switched, sw- uh, switched the other way that it would be a completely
0: different narrative. Yeah, totally. Um, my favorite one of those, not, it, it was having to do with, uh, some by, Bi- uh, president Biden polling. Oh yeah. Who was it? Uh, msm it wasn't it was abc maybe the headline read just under a majority of people approve of biden's policies yeah like wait a second just under a majority so a minority that's what you mean (laughs) it's like you you're just redefining the opposite of the word using the word yeah totally but, uh, but it's the spin. I mean, uh-huh. the spin, I think part of it is like the spin has started to become so obvious that we're, that it felt to me like, it's like, Oh, did the spell break a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has Trump been gone long enough to where we're safe to be like, you're spinning that in a way <laughs> that makes no sense. Well, I think honestly, Trump being gone makes it
1: easier to do that because like Trump just took all the air out of the room. Yeah. It's like, and he was breathing at all. It's like, nobody else had, (laughs) it's like, everything was about Trump. Even if it wasn't about Trump, it was about Trump. You know, it's like, and not him not being around or not as prevalent. You know, it's like, I think you're able to more safely approach these things and it not being, Oh, you're a Trump supporter or something like that. Like, Oh fuck. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just saying that this is something about this is not, I mean, we're seeing that with Biden right now too, is like, there's so much spin around him it's like this guy is not, he's not there. Yeah. And it's sad. And it's like, I don't wish that on anybody, you know? And it's like, but you just see the media saying, I mean, it's the same thing with like a mostly peaceful protest and there's a fire behind the guy.
0: Right. That <clears throat>
1: symbol I think is the symbol of, of our media right now. Yeah. And maybe we're just rehashing a bunch of stuff we've talked about before. But Surely this is just, it's just, I feel like the spell is
0: breaking. I think that's kind of the point we're getting at. And yeah, a spell is breaking, mm-hmm. you know, and probably a new one being cast at the same time. And yeah. that's probably just a part of the life we live now, or maybe just a part of life period. Well, I mean, this is, I was reading the, I think I
1: sent it to you. Um, this guy does, uh, he's like a famous, uh, stock guy. And, uh, Uh, Stock market organizations. And he talks about like how. um, uh, Excess in one direction will lead to excess in the opposite direction. Mm. And just kind of talking about how the stock market kind of will kind of get inflate one way. You know, stock will overprice. Right. And then and then you'll have a sell off. you have a sell off and it'll go the exact opposite direction. Right. And when I read that, I was just like, oh, wow, that's kind of like life. You know, I just hope we don't, you know, the reaction to Trump and then we've kind of gone completely the uh, opposite direction. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, you know, and and I I wish we could just like stop. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's not, let's not like go far to the other side again. You know, I think that's, I think that's also part of what our podcast is about. It's about the shores of ignorance. It's Mm -hmm. like. You know, you you have you have this knowledge that you've attained and have grown, but you also are confronted with the unknown. And there's a lot more unknown than there is mm. the information that you've grown on your island. You know,
0: yeah, there's a lot more of the unknown than there is of you.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's like learning to live in the paradox of knowing and not knowing. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's plenty of things you do know and you have a handle on. But at the same time, you're always going to need to incorporate new information into
0: challenge and augment what you have. Well, and because you are a finite and vulnerable Mm. being, you have to oscillate sort of between the unknown and the known. Mm -hmm. Like at times you need to retreat. Yeah and regather yourself and Mm -hmm. prepare yourself and rest and strengthen. And at other times in order to progress and grow, you need to lean in to the unknown, Mm. into the chaos, but then that becomes dangerous and it will threaten to destroy you. And so Mm. you have to retreat again. And um, so it's always this pendulum back and forth between, between excesses essentially. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that was Jordan Peterson's whole last two books was about that. Yeah. Like you, you, you will find yourself in the excesses of both order and chaos, and both will destroy you Mm -hmm. if you allow them to. Yeah. So it's about sort of constantly moving back and, in balancing constant. And I don't think we, you don't achieve a point of balance and hold it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, Let's see if I can run this analogy down, but it's like riding a bike, Uh you know, you don't exactly balance when you ride a bike, Hmm. you, you steer into a fall in order to correct the fall and bring it back the other way and steer Hmm. into that. If you just to stop, you can't just balance, Mm -hmm. you know, so you need the forward movement and the forward movement requires moving back and forth between both sides and, Hopefully if you're good enough at riding a bike, you can do that to where it feels like you're staying pretty well straight up, mm-hmm. you know, once you've achieved proficiency, but you got to keep moving to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I've heard about that with running too. It's like, you know, running is just, uh, putting your legs out in front of you so you don't fall on your face
0: <laughs> or something like <laughs> it's that. It's like you initiate a fall and then catch yourself and uh-huh. initiate the next one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which is, which is fascinating to think about. Mm-hmm. But there is that thing, I mean, I, I, man, how you said that was was really cool as far as like, um, you know, it's like we need, sometimes we need to lean into order and, and have things sort of safe and in place. Um, yeah, it made me think about your season right now, too, is like you're mm-hmm. kind of stepping out into the unknown again. Mm-hmm. And there's like, it's like all these opportunities are available to you right now that you wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, you would not have known about. Right if that sort of chaos wasn't open to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, sometimes like we un, like unwillingly are uh to us are, are kind of tossed into the chaos.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, we can either go into the chaos with our kind of like arms wide open to accept whatever it might be, you know, it's like, um, or we can be resistant to it. And I think there's sometimes there's times to be resistant to the chaos and there's sometimes to be open and, and sort of, be accepting of that too. Right. And that's on both sides of those things too. It's like sometimes you need order and you, you you need to stop or something like that.
0: (laughs) Um. Well, it just makes me think that as we said, there's more of the unknown than there is of you, Mm -hmm. which means there's more in the unknown than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And you, you can imagine some things about the unknown, but once you push into the unknown, you 're going to learn about things and experience opportunities and and newness is going to come into your life in a way that you can 't imagine yeah, so it 's like you push out into it and it 's like oh i I never would have known that this was a possibility mm-hmm. you know to me, whether that 's searching for a new job or um, you know uh, a new boyfriend or girlfriend mm-hmm. or a new car for that matter it 's like you don 't know. <laughs> What is available to, available until you go looking. This mm-hmm. is another sort of, I think, variation on asking you, sa- you shall receive. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden you find yourself saying, wow, I wouldn't have had this amazing opportunity if I hadn't had this previous, uh, this previous event happen that I wouldn't have wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. Meaning I was thrust into order uh, involuntarily yeah sorry thrust into chaos involuntarily Mm -hmm. um but then now here i am realizing that there are things that i never would have imagined were possible Mm. and they're manifesting they're real and isn't that amazing yeah
1: yeah there's so many things that were that were kind of pushed into even as even as benign or stupid as like uh forks like i remember whenever alice and i got married and we were picking out Forks. I don't know where you're going with forks. <laughs> well, it's funny. We're, we're picking out silverware. <clears throat> and I was like, at first I was like, I don't really care. I was like, whatever. You know, it's like forks, a fork, a fork, you know? And then Allison was like, oh, look at this. So I was like, oh, I don't really like that one. I was like, I have opinions about forks. And then I started picking them up. This one's too heavy. This one's too, <laughs> too light. I don't like the, it's not thick enough. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it just baffled me. I was like, wow, I really have opinions of forks. I didn't know I didn't yeah. have opinions about forks, you know? And, so there are certain things that, you know, it's like you just need to kind of like go into and you'll find like, oh, well, actually, I do have something to say about this right. or I don't like this and I don't know why.
0: Right. You know, and. and but it, then once you once you're able to say, oh, and, and discover that you don't like it, then you can start to figure out why that is. And then you learn something about yourself.
1: Yeah. Or if you don't like something and someone says like, oh, well, this is the reason why it's like that. And you're like, oh okay, well that makes sense to me. You know, it's like, it might be something that you just, you just had framed in your, um, Mm. in your narrative in a, in a way that was not actually maybe accurate or something like that. And you're like, when someone kind of like turns your head just a little bit and you see it differently, like, Oh, I get that. Or like, Oh, I get that. I mean, I still don't agree with it, but I I can understand why somebody would think that way or believe that, you know, it's like, um, but kind of still makes me want to come back to the whole, thing where we started out with you know like we have to have with our goal in life or our highest attention has to be something that is oh we've never mind we've talked about this many times on the podcast <laughs> it's That's Like, okay yeah. we
0: can we can
1: <clears throat> it has to be something greater than ourselves it. you know it's like and yeah. and i just think i don't know if we want to get into this part but um I was asking Matt about Web 3 Mm -hmm. yesterday and um, and I I just totally was like what the hell is this you know and and, uh, this analogy kind of came to mind is like you know Web 1 was sort of like um, it was not interactive at all right Mm -hmm. it was just it was was just kind of read only read only yeah Yeah, and then Web 2 was sort of like there was more interaction but Mm it was it was pointed at the the kind of a group or the cumulative Mm -hmm. and then Web3 is kind of tailored more towards the individual. Um, kind of like, I guess it has to do with sort of blockchain and and um, uh, like owning your own uh, information and stuff like right. that. Uh, <clears throat> so yes, I'm, I'm stumbling through this. Anyways, yeah. but it made sense to me. It was, it was fascinating to me because it's like I almost saw like evolution in this. And I, I, have a very, very kindergarten view of this. So it's like, and Matt, maybe can set me straight a little bit more on this, but, but it, it I kind of saw like evolution happening in just this little microcosm of the web. It's sort of like, you know, religion kind of gave us this sort of uh, tautology, this, this sort of meaning layer that, uh, we didn't have with like read only and then sort of community interaction. You know, it's like, it got, it got kind of like, something about religion and specific Christianity, it got embedded in the individual. It's like, it's like God loves you. Like the individual, Hmm. you know, not just the whole, but the you, you know, it's like where like, you know, as evolution kind of came out, it's like, there wasn't, there there wasn't a you necessarily, but then all of a sudden there was sort of like a, there was an us, you know, there's some sort of group that formed, you know, it's like, and we formed in 150, you know, individuals, but uh, you don't really see the individual start to kind of be really defined until about you know maybe the agricultural age, but then you know philosophy and about ten thousand years ago, and, <clears throat> and you start seeing these sort of monotheistic religions come out, and it's like mm. like most, most of the religions before were more about the group or the 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 spirits, uh, animals, and and this un unpersonalized aspect of of nature um so so this part of like the like where religion especially with christianity really started just drilling down on the individual like god loves you the individual mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so i kind of see like that i can see like because like that was one thing i was reading about the web 3 was about the ontological parts of it it's like you have to and i, I don't know exactly how that works but it's like you start building in this sort of like theory of mind almost when you're talking about building these systems, because it has to have some, the, the sort of like the, oh shoot I'm way getting out of my depth here. But, but the basic point is, is like, if you don't have something that's as big as it can get, it won't be able to, um, I have to stop there. Damn it. It's the, the part I'm thinking of is, it's like, you have to have some sort of like theory of mind and, and, um, uh, narrative that you build in order to, it has to be very big and broad in order for it to communicate and assume certain things that are a little bit more particular. Hmm. So I think there's something like that in web three too, is like where AI is able to not just make word searches, but it's able to make associations between ideas. And I think you can't do that without some sort of like, some sort of like larger story that you develop that mm-hmm. then the the AI can then put things together that are more that are more ethereal or um suggestive rather than you know i search up the word um forest and so it gives me all the forest things but it starts to put together maybe like my history and stuff like that and start to intuit that actually uh, uh, he's thinking more about like a saying of the force for the trees. It's more of a philosophical idea, you know. Does that make sense? Am
0: I am I even getting close to anything <laughs> on this? Well, it's hard to say because <clears throat> I don't think we really know what Web three is. Yeah. <clears throat> what we know is that things are shifting, and I mm-hmm. would say it's more of a theory, an emerging theory of value. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Good call. So, Web one. Was it, it, these are almost just sort of like names of epochs more than they are things that describe a certain technology. Yeah. It's more like okay, the internet the internet emerged, <clears throat> and what was it? Well, you could put documents on a computer and then access those documents from computers elsewhere. <laughs> That's the read only nature of it. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to access some information that isn't here. Yeah, the internet. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then web two largely incorporates what we would think about the internet once social media came around, which is, okay, you've got something that's maybe better described as like a living document. Hmm. It can update. I could actually update it. I can look at it and then from here update it, whether that's an actual Google or Word doc Mm -hmm. or um, a social media network where I can actually post information to that other computer. And then that becomes a part of the record that the next person who pulls it sees. Mm -hmm. So it's interactive to your point, Mm -hmm. but that's still, it's still sort of centralized Mm -hmm. in that the authoritative record for it lives on some computer somewhere and we all contribute and and go back and forth with it. Well, then that thing becomes incredibly valuable. And the value of that is completely owned and controlled by a central Service, a central company. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that the, the idea, the theory of value that's embedded in the idea of Web3 is that, <clears throat> okay, you know, you think about a tweet, popular tweet, mm-hmm. gets a bunch of likes, a bunch of retweets, it reaches a bunch of people. You know, what's the value of that tweet? And we're not used to thinking this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if, unless you've really started thinking about these concepts, you might go, the value of it, what are you talking about?
1: Mm.
0: It's a tweet. Doesn't have any value. Yeah. Well, connect the dots. Twitter is worth what? How many billions of dollars? Mm-hmm. So clearly, that tweet has value. Mm-hmm. Now we haven't started thinking about what that value is, and no one, I think, up until recently, was thinking. Well, okay, if it does have value, whose value is it? Clearly, whatever monetary value it has is Twitter's. Twitter's. Mm-hmm even though you're the one who wrote the tweet. Right. And so the idea of web three is, can we build networks and systems that accrue that value to the users rather than to the networks and the, the the people who control the networks. Mm. And so when you hear people talk about web three, you'll hear the words uh, decentralization, property rights, individual sovereignty. um, And then you'll start hearing things like NFT, which starts to describe some of the technologies that might enable this, but it's like, okay, if I sticking with the Twitter example, if I write a tweet that has value, meaning it's shared a lot, Mm -hmm. which clearly does have monetary value and value to the rest of the world. Can that value come to me? Mm -hmm. Um, A a more real, real world example of this uh, is the idea of art. And so if I, if I paint a painting and you really like it and I sell it to you and then I go off and paint more paintings and become more popular the value of your painting went up Mm -hmm. other collectors might want it and pay you more for it than uh, you originally paid me so you sell it to them you make a profit it's great for you right Mm -hmm. but at the point that I sold you the painting I'm done even Mm -hmm. though I'm the one who imbued that with value it was my value but -hmm. now that value is lost Mm -hmm the increase in value is lost to me, but with certain technologies such as blockchain and NFTs, I can own that value wherever it goes Mm. and other people can, can contribute in making that thing more valuable. Mm. And so if you replace a real world painting with something like, let's say, um, a JPEG of the painting or a tweet or some of these other properties that are digital in nature only like tweets and, blog posts or uh, social media presences. Um, and so Web3 says, can we accrue that value towards the creators, towards the users, rather than up towards the networks, be that Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, all of these companies that have become the uh, most profitable companies in the history of the world. And where did that profit come from? From all the content that we created. Mm-hmm you know and obviously there are monetization programs um that can start redirecting some of that profit towards creators yeah but web 3 says well the profit doesn't need to be redirected it needs to be um a part of the network itself Hmm. that's tied to the content that i create yeah so it would almost be
1: like uh if a painter painted a painting and then they wrote a contract saying, if you sell this, I get 10% of whatever you sell it for, like in old yes. terms. Where and that
0: contract was transferable mm-hmm. to the next person who bought it. Yeah. And could not be broken. Mm-hmm.
1: And so like you said so in this way, you would put something in the blockchain for something that you sold and say, like, I get 10% of this, but there were the accountabilities in the blockchain that anytime it was sold on, you know, uh, through, uh, through online services or something like that, then you would have that would just automatically. So the accountability is built into the system and there's not that the seller of the painting doesn't be like, Hey, Hey, I sold your painting. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: well, and that's what, that's what people mean when they talk about decentralization mm-hmm. is that the accountability is built into the network. The network doesn't function without it. So you don't have to go to a broker mm-hmm. who makes sure that the terms of the contract are agreed upon. Yeah. I guess that's the whole thing with,
1: with Bitcoin in general too. It's like, it's all in the blockchain. So when you sell something, it's all, it's all in the ledger of like what, what took place and you don't have to have anybody. You don't have to have any sort of third party to tell you like, I remember I I was just doing some stuff with all my banking and it's like, you can only transfer so much money today. It's like, well, it's my money. Right. Why can't I transfer more of that? Yeah. (laughs) Let me do with it what I want. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, there's some sort of policing of your of your right of your uh, own own assets or whatever well in whatever which
0: which they have to do there has mm. to be that policing of it because they are accountable for the integrity mm. of the entire you know banking system of mm-hmm. which the safety of your money relies yeah so it's almost hard to imagine the concept of a decentralized network mm-hmm but once you can kind of grab hold of it in your mind, it's like, holy shit, freedom. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's very interesting stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm, Matt's my teacher on this. I'm learning from, <laughs> from this, but there's, there's, there's so many things with that too. It's like, what, what happens when you start building systems that, that focus on the individual, mm-hmm. you know, and, right.
0: and, and I like your evolution of religion sort of tie on to that, yeah what happens when well in when when enlightenment comes mm-hmm. and we start putting the locus of sovereignty of sacredness of divinity centering that in the individual mm-hmm. well, the West emerges, yeah the most uh productive time in history in terms of technological advancement and uh Health advancement, ri- people rising out of poverty, uh, increase in equality. I mean, it's like everything got way better. Mm-hmm. So, what's going to happen to the internet and the digital space, mm. which is still very much in sort of its dark age? If you think about it in those terms, yeah. Um, you know, once the once the individual is put as the as the sovereign node on the network, mm-hmm. from which value arises which is which is interesting even thinking about government
1: in that way too is like you have a king who knows best what knows what's best for his whole mm. entire kingdom you know and that's actually even even if you have a good king you know it's like it it still doesn't really know what's best for all right you know all of its all of its all his or her kingdom you know it's like um so there's that same thing, too, with, like, you know, Facebook right now and Twitter have, you know, all these different ways of signaling what is best for society. You know, it's like, well, who determines what
0: is best for me? You yeah. know, and I think that's... Well, you see the social network struggling this with this right mm-hmm. now. You know, they're sort of ruled by this, you know, the, the Zuckerberg, the Jack Dorsey. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They're, like, struggling through it, trying to figure out, like... <laughs> we obviously can't let this be a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. There's obviously um the threat of disinformation and manipulation by you know, let's say foreign governments. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to do some policing here. Yeah. How much at the cost of freedom? Well, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um But if you move away from the the king and the serfs analogy mm-hmm. into the Western ideals of organizing society, if the, if the internet's about to go through a similar transformation, there's a lot of exciting things about to happen. Or even our money, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, how you, how you pay for things and how you exchange value with other people. It's like, uh, in that, uh, especially specifically monetarily, you know, um, like that has been in the hands of the government. So they, they tell us what is, acceptable and not acceptable. It's like, what, what happens with that it starts to even move more to the individual, to the, uh, the sovereignty of the individual rather than the, right. Cause like there's, again, whenever that much control is given to a, say a King, you know, it's like, or even a government, it's like, it's like they start to inevitably manipulate it to serve the system's needs rather than the individual's needs. Mm-hmm. And you kind of saw that, like, as we kind of got off the gold standard too, and and even World War II, where we start just spending and spending and spending. It's like, well, where's where's this coming from? Where's this money coming from? And it was just being basically manipulated to serve some sort of goal that the king had in mind, right. not not the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could say like in democracy specifically, as so we voted for those individuals to have that. More centralized control, you know, but it was definitely individuals that put those people into power right but what if like uh, even like some people <laughs> talk about like uh, uh somehow making even our political leaders making contracts with them like okay here 's what you have to like say, this is what i 'm going to do if you elect me, these are the things i 'm going to accomplish, and so you know. Some sort of political contract with the constituents that say, "Okay, these are the things that you said you would do," mm-hmm. and at the end of your tenure, we're going to hold you accountable to those things. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really happen, so it, people can just say whatever the hell they want to. Is like, you know, I was a, I was a student co- student body president in high school. <laughs> it's like you can say shit like you like. Coke machines in everybody's a classroom or like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have free donuts every Friday. And it's like, everyone's like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I want that guy. You know, it's like, I didn't say those things, but that's basically what but you could say. Yeah, that. yeah. It's like, I'm sure I said stupid shit too, but I don't know. Um, but it's like, you know, at the end of my tenure, it's like no one held me accountable to that. It was right. like a Coke machine and everyone's, you know, it's like, there's no, it, it seems like there's some things that need to be built into the system that we, that we hold our, um, leaders accountable too. It's like, right. well, don't say shit you can't accomplish. You know, it's like, yeah, or like if if they don't accomplish half of the things that they talk about, then it almost should be like, well, you're out. Mm. You can't run for another term. Mm. I, mean, I, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if that's the if that's the right way to do it. But it that just doesn't kind of sounds to me like
0: the right way forward, but probably
1: not. But yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, it does seem like, as you describe it that way, like the way that we elect political leaders sounds very archaic. It's like, we just allow them to go all over the place spewing nonsense Mm -hmm. and then we elect them and then they do or don't do, they just kind of do whatever they want. And we're like, Oh, you're good. You're bad. You're whatever. And it's like, okay, on to the next guy who was spewing a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. You fit my party. Right. You're my party or whatever. It's like, I'm gonna vote for you. Yeah. Like it should almost, it's like, yeah, haven't we evolved past that? Like, can we not have a more uh, complicated (laughs) system here? Like maybe submit, uh, submit a proposal ahead of time. And like Congress has to agree to it and be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we can, this will work. We can do this Mm -hmm. rather than just a bunch of promises that once you get there, then you, all of a sudden you've got to try to get everybody on board. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Well, it's more complicated than that too. I mean, it's like you're, you're dealing with lots of different people with lots of different perspectives. And it's like, there's things that, which I think this is the hard thing about politics, which I'm so glad I'm not a part of Is Like, like there's some things that you have to make decisions on that might actually hurt your constituency, Mm -hmm. but it's the right thing to do. Mm. It's like, that's really hard. But again, but you're elected to represent your constituency. Right. So to me, that's kind of like, how do you, how do you, how do you work through that? You know? I don't know. Yeah. That's more political than I want to be right now. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's wrap right, it up. Definitely. Love you guys. Thanks for coming. Definitely. We'll see you
0: all. Bye. Bye.